Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, and he asked him for letters to the congregations and synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he asked, Who are you, Lord? And the reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. And Saul got up from the ground, though his eyes were open, and he could see nothing. And so they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias... And he answered, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all those who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. And he laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored He got up, and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, choose us again this day for Jesus. Send forth your spirit that we may be created into your instruments, called to bring your name before all people laying hands on those who need the touch of your love, and naming each one we meet as brother, sister, friend. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Um, as I kind of went through this story today, and I said with the kids, this is, I think, a calling story, not, a, not necessarily a conversion story. It's possible, or it's popular to call this the conversion of Saul. Um, Saul into Paul. He changes his name, or his name is changed for him after this. But I think this is really a calling story. And it starts, like you heard, um, with Saul on his way to Damascus. Saul is, we'd call him today probably a zealot. 
um, he's a really fired up guy. Uh, and he is in the service of the powers that be in the temple in Jerusalem. That group of folks is still nervous and upset about what has gone on in their city. What Jesus has uh, done and how he has stirred up the people. And now there's this crazy story out there that Jesus, after they crucified him, is risen. And that story keeps coming up and bubbling up and more people are following it and, and gathering together to tell that story and to tell others that story. And the powers that be in Jerusalem still don't like it. They still don't like it. And they have in Saul a ready and willing uh, and pretty good at it um, guy. A guy that wants to help squelch the story. That wants to bring all of these people of the way, it's called, the way of Jesus, uh, to, uh, to heal. Bring them bound to Jerusalem. And to do it, he's aggressive. Threats and murder. Threats and murder. That's pretty shocking stuff. That's a pretty... Uh, crazy call that he had and he was enthusiastic about it he was there the day that uh, Stephen was martyred and he cheered on he maybe threw a rock or two um, along that so this guy Saul is heavy duty stuff and he gets the idea that he should go to Damascus and continue his work there because the story has spread from Jerusalem up north into what we now call Syria Damascus is still there And so he goes on the road, and he's got a few friends with him. Maybe we don't know how many. And this strange thing happens to him, though. The lightning flashes, and the thunder roars, and in in that he hears a voice. And the voice says, why are you persecuting me? And he doesn't know who it is. Who are you? Who are you, Lord, he asks. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. I'm the one you're persecuting. And from that moment until the end of the story that we have today, Saul never says another word. Never says another word. He's struck blind. Yes, we're told that. He's also struck dumb. He doesn't say another word. And Jesus tells him, just get up and go. Go into the city and be with the people that I sent you to. And he is afraid. I'm sure he's scared to death about what is happening to him. And he still doesn't quite know. But he and his friends, and his friends are just as scared and confused as he is, they're compelled, and they go. And that's the calling story right there, I think. But then we move from the story from Saul to Ananias. And Ananias has a a vision and a voice in the night for him. And it's his name, Ananias, is said. And he wakes up to that, and then he says, Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. And Jesus says to him, I want you to go too. Go into the city. Go to this address, the street that's called Straight. Go to the house of Judas on that street. And you will find there Saul, this man Saul. And Ananias, we don't know much about him. We don't know what kind of history he has. We don't know what his role is. We know he's a disciple. We know he lives in Damascus. And that's just about it. But he goes, and he is called to this place to go to this house and to meet this guy, Saul. And he know, we know one other thing about him, and that's that he's heard about Saul before. And what he's heard is not pleasant. He describes it as a man of evil, the evil things he has done to your people. 
So Ananias gets this call, this conversation with Jesus, and he pushes back a bit, and he says, eh, I don't know, why should I be there? What do you want me to do with this guy? This is a dangerous guy. I'm a little afraid of this guy. I'm a lot afraid of this guy. Jesus is just persistent with him, and he really doesn't tell him much. He says, go. This is the man that I have appointed. This is the man that I have chosen to do some things. And in that moment, I think Ananias knows not only for whatever reason has Jesus appointed uh, Saul for something, but he has also appointed Ananias for something too, to be the one that touches Saul, to be the one that goes to Saul, to be the one that eventually baptizes Saul. And so he goes too. And the two, he finds Saul exactly where he's supposed to find him. And Saul has been praying. We don't know what his prayer is. We, I think he's still probably, probably trying to figure this whole thing out. Uh, and Ananias goes in and he starts, despite all of his fears and the intimidation that he feels, and what he knows about the man that he is with, he starts with, the, with calling him brother. He says, Brother Saul, I'm here. I'm here because Jesus sent me here. And he lays his hands on him, and something happens. Something very different happens. All of a sudden, Saul, the scales fall away, and he rises up. And then there are waters of baptism, and they are washed. And Saul becomes Paul. And in that moment, identities change, and roles change, and callings are heard. We've, uh, we've all got callings, as I was talking about with the, with the kids a little bit, to different roles in our lives. And you think about it, you know, you've got your job, of course, but, you know, I've got many callings. I'm a son, my mother and, uh, is still living, and so I try to be a good son. Uh, I'm a husband. Not a job, but a joy. <laughs> uh, I'm a father. I'm a lawyer. Today I'm a preacher. I'm a friend. Um, we have a lot of different places and relationships and roles that we are called into in our lives. Um, and sometimes um, we are this way instruments, instruments of our skills and our gifts and our talents, things that God has given us that we have been made to be. And when Saul is called and when Ananias is called, Jesus tells them that you will be my instrument, my instrument to do for me in the world. And everybody, every human person is at some level an instrument because of those gifts and talents and skills that we have. And we use them in our work and we use them in our relationships um, and all of the things that we do. But in this case, this case, when Jesus says, you are my instrument, he's doing something very specific. He's blessing those roles and calling them into a place that serves Jesus. That is, part of what Jesus wants is for us to be his instrument. Every instrument has a hand on it, uh, somebody that takes it up and uses it. If you think about tools or machinery, or, but also skills and talents and gifts. We have all been given these things. And the question for our lives is, how are they to be used? And who is going to guide and direct the use of what we have? Is it going to be us or is it going to be somebody else? What we have in this story today is Jesus telling these two men, 
telling Saul, with all of his many talents, you are going to be my instrument. You are the instrument I have chosen. Chosen for a different thing than Saul has been up to. No longer threats and murder. And we know when Saul becomes Paul, that's an awfully powerful instrument in the history of the world. Not just the history of the church. You think about it. Paul goes out and founds churches, churches that eventually populate all kinds of folks that become the dominant religion of, of most of the world, and certainly most of the known world. Paul writes half of our New Testament. Um, that's an awfully amazing instrument that he turned into when he received this choosing from Jesus. But I, Ananias is chosen too, and he's chosen to do a smaller thing, but a brave thing and a faithful thing. All he's asked to do is go and put his hands on somebody he doesn't know, somebody he's never met, but somebody he has heard about and has every reason to be afraid of because this someone that he is called to has been a persecutor of him and people like him for his whole career. And Ananias goes anyway. So he does a very small thing. And we, in our callings too, we can, maybe some of us, maybe somebody in this room or somebody you know will someday be another Paul. You know, 2,000 years ago, we'll, we'll look back on that. Uh, 2,000 years go by in the future and we'll look back on that. Maybe one of those young guys that was here a little bit ago. But, uh, um, but even if we're not, even if we're not called to do the amazing, world-changing things that Saul and eventually Paul did, uh, maybe we can be like Ananias. We can... Respond in, uh, in, to Jesus' call, Jesus choosing us as his instrument to do a little thing, to go to some place that we haven't been, some place that maybe we're afraid of, to lay hands on someone who is hurting, to bring a good word of blessing to somebody who is alone, to protest a wrong, to uh, help someone who's sick, to give money to a great cause, to just do our jobs, either as parents or employees or uh, sons and daughters and as friends, uh, but to do it in the name of Jesus because Jesus has chosen us, each one of us, to be his instrument in those small ways and in whatever larger way that he has in front of us. It is really up to Jesus what the results will be. Our only calling, our only response when Jesus chooses us as his instrument is to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Amen.